days alone, completely alone. Nothing but the sky, the mountains, and the sound of your own voice. That's what Charlie Hench planned. I call it a trans-solo trek of the Sierra Nevada. He'd hike eight miles a day, make camp, and start over again in the morning. He'd have no one to answer to, no one to worry about, no one to look out for but himself. Well, I enjoy my solitude, and that was part of it. I like backpacking because you're very self-reliant. Your sole purpose is to move. I don't mind being alone at all. And he found solitude on his first night. There it was. The first night, I camped uh, right along the creek there. It was just gorgeous. Burbling Brook, you're still in the trees. You're alone. Very peaceful, very peaceful. Two days into his trip, the mountains were blanketed by an early snowfall. The snow muted the quiet forest, and Charlie was more alone than ever. But he kept climbing. That was probably a mistake. Probably the first mistake is not checking the weather closer. He didn't realize that the snow cover obscured the trail, and he began to walk in the wrong direction. I didn't pull out my compass or anything, because I'm thinking I know where I'm going. I had no idea I was on the wrong path. And up there, you can rock hop easy up there. So Charlie was hopping from rock to snowy rock when his foot slipped on the granite. I don't remember tripping, sailing through the air, or anything. I just remember coming to with a broken wrist and a bump on the right side of my head. So I really rang my bell. I'm sure I got concussed. I'm hurt, I'm sitting there, and I did not know where I was. But after, I don't know how long, 10 or 15 minutes, I finally realized what I was doing, where I was. I was doing, you know, a trans-solo Sierra Nevada hike, and it occurred to me, you dummy, you know, you're all, you should not have done it alone. He had fallen down a steep rock wall, and it landed on a ledge with no way off. I'm on a rock about the size of a Cadillac car hood. Literally no bigger than that. So at this point, I'm I'm hurt, cold, and wet, and didn't see that I could go down or up. So at that point, I'm resigned to the fact I'm going to wait this out. I lost my glasses in that fall, my compass, and my map. So with his wrist broken and his spine cracked, Charlie managed to cobble together a little camp on the rock ledge, and he waited listening for the sounds of rescue. I did hear some helicopters searching for me. I'm thinking, this is great. They're going to find me. Because I still thought I was near the correct location. And so I'm hearing the choppers. And I'm hearing for a long time, and I just figure they're doing their little grid search, and they're going to find me. But because he wasn't on the trail, the search crew couldn't find him. And then I stopped hearing the choppers. I'm figuring they stopped looking for me. He spent four days clinging to this rock ledge, waiting and hoping. He ran out of fuel, and he ran out of food. So that was real bad. So Charlie stopped working to survive and started preparing to die. On this piece of cardboard, I wrote how I'm going to divvy up my belongings. Who gets what? My bank account goes here, my four-wheel drive truck goes to my brother, just just stupid stuff. 
is that crazy or what? So, and then that I am so very sorry of all the grief I caused everyone. <sighs> Full moon, it was actually a gorgeous night. I look forward to lying down and going to sleep. That's what I, you know, I don't know if it was gonna be sleep forever or what, but at that point I just wanted to lay down. But his friends weren't ready to let him go. They organized teams of search parties. They hiked in from both ends of the trail and directed helicopters from sunup to sundown. And word spread that Charlie was missing. One guy left a note on the desk of a friend of a friend, a guy named Dave Graw, and he owned his own plane. And um, I just sort of left it on my desk and just found myself reading it um, you know, through the day and bringing it home, I think, and then thinking about it uh, that night. Here's what you should know about Dave Graw. 40 years ago, his brother got lost in the Sierras. He ended up getting onto a snowbank, and then you know, later basically woke up after being knocked out with a big gash on the side of his leg and, and stuff and had to walk back about 10 miles. Dave kept thinking about that place the ledge where his brother had fallen 40 years ago. I was, you know, always been sort of fascinated by this um, place that he was hurt. You know, as I couldn't sleep, um, I think I was, you know, prompted that I, I, I had to do something. You know, I had to do something. There was almost nothing else I could do except go get in my plane and go fly and look at that place. And so that's what I did. In the morning, Dave Graw got in his plane and flew to that spot the spot he's been watching for 40 years. Flew up, you know, west towards the mountains. Thought, well, I'll just take a look at, you know, where my brother had his accident again. And as I fly by, I look out the, the passenger side window. And then I see a plane above me. This is the first plane I've seen above me. There's a guy standing on a snow-covered ledge, you know, waving a stick at me with a red cloth tied to it. And on my broken fishing pole, I have a little red stuff sack. I'm waving it. Of course, I can't see it on my glasses on. And I don't know if he's seen me or not person was clearly getting my attention and I figured it had to be, you know, Charlie. And I'm waving my paw, wave my paw. I think just to be sure that he knew that I saw him, I waggled my wings. And, and he gives me the wing dip, you know. And I can't tell you how that felt. Dave radioed a search chopper and told them where to find Charlie. And they plucked him off a cliff in a rescue grab that ranked 9.9 on a difficulty scale of 10. One thing I, I need to say that I think is an important part of, of Charlie's story is that, you know, so many of his friends made great sacrifices to do everything that they could to, you know, help Charlie, you know, hiking into the backcountry. And I think that says a lot about, you know, who Charlie is and how important he is to his friends. When he got home, Charlie's friends threw him a party. It's very ironic that, yeah that I'm planning this solo hike to get away from everybody. And what happens? All my friends have to bail me out. It's just so humbling that people would uh, do that for me. Big thanks to Charlie Hinch Stay safe, brother. Stay safe. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.